G'day everybody, welcome to the inaugural episode of the Pressure Point Podcast. My name is Quinn DeLuca and I'm joined by my co-host Marcus Squatto. Marcus, how are you today on our first episode? Good mate, good mate. What a time to be alive. Footy's back, debut of our podcast. It's all very exciting. Now why don't we tell everybody, why are we, why are we doing it? What made you want to just start this podcast with me? Um, well, yeah, so I've always wanted to go down the small sport media path, so... Um, this was, I found this as a good pathway to, to get some experience with it. Um, and just, yeah, just to sort of get my name out there as well. So I love talking footy, love talking sport. Um, and unfortunately I'm stuck doing that with you. So, but you know, things could be worse. Well, they could be exactly right. There could be worse people to do it with. <laughs> Thanks for that. But I'm, I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. Um, I'm going down a sports media, sports media path at the moment. Um, I'm currently doing a course for it, and this just seems sort of the best way to push myself into the door. Um, I love the I love the listen to the radio about footy and all that. I listen to football podcasts as well, so I just thought, you know, why not jump into something I already love? And you know, you were you were the best bloke to do it with at the time. Maybe not now, but at the time when I first decided, you were the best bloke to run with. So yeah, right man, right time. Exactly right. Now I feel like this should be down your path. Why don't you tell everybody uh, why the iconic name Pressure Point? <laughs> So, well, I think well, the main footy nuts out there will know what pressure point means. So, it is from the 2009 Brownlow medal when Fev went absolutely bonkers. Um, and I had about 50 beers in an hour. Um, and just, yeah, Channel 9 gave him the reins to, to the street talk on the footy show. And, you know, the rest is history. He got sacked from Carlton and then his life uh, got very interesting after that. But, um, yeah, so if, if you haven't seen the video... Um, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, we'll, we'll put a link in that in the description, but it is um, it is a great video, and it's yeah, that is the reason why we've we've done it. So Fev uh, referenced pressure points a lot in that video, um, and it was, yeah, it was very funny. So that's why we've sort of run with it, and um, and we feel like it's qu- it's quite relevant to what we're going to be doing as well. We're going to talk about the big topics in, in footy and. Um, and yeah, like the team's under pressure, players under pressure, all that sort of stuff. It's going to be pretty heated at times, so we thought it would um, it would it fit in well with with what we're going to do. So that's where the that's the the um the, the meaning why we've named it that. Exactly right. Now, does the name bring up any bad memories for you? Obviously, that was the that's what led to Fev getting sacked, and you're a big Carlton man, as everyone knows. Surely that brings back some haunting memories. Absolutely, yeah. So I remember at the time I was absolutely distraught when Fev left Carlton. Um, he was my childhood hero growing up. So when he left, it was um, it was devastating because at that time Carlton was sort of pushing, pushing in um, up the ladder, and we had Chris Judd in his prime as well. So things were looking up. Fev just came off a Coleman Medal season as well. So we thought, you know, how good's this? You know, Premiership could be could be um, a lot sooner than we thought. And <clears throat> then he decided to absolutely send it at the Brownlow and um, <laughs> and pretty much yeah ruin those hopes. So. Um, and yeah, he, yeah, as I said, he was my favourite player growing up. So when he left, it was um, it was devastating, and for a lot of Carlton fans as well. So, but now I look at that Brownlow medal and absolutely laugh. I loved it at the time, but um, yeah, it's fine now. How long ago was it? Now eleven years ago. About yeah. eleven years. I think Fev being the bloke he is. I mean, looking back, it's probably the, the only way he was really going to send himself out of a club. So <laughs> it's probably the, probably a good thing. Sums up his career, doesn't it? That's Just right. A loose loose cannon. Now, I know I've had a few people uh, upset with me that I didn't get them to join me as my co-host for the podcast. 
So I'll just talk about uh, how we know each other. How do uh, we know each other? Uh, we know each other through a very close mutual connection. <laughs> uh, I'm lucky enough to have the privilege of calling your younger sister my girlfriend. So we've met that way, uh, known each other for the last couple of years. And I think pretty much from the get-go, the main thing we spoke about was footy. And it really only made sense that you may as well do it and you know let everyone else listen in. We only just started talking as well. I've only just let you into to my life. so I appreciate that. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for the opportunity. <laughs> it took you two years to, uh, to win me over. But... Well, being a Richmond supporter, coming to a Carlton household, it, was, it took a bit. But, you know, persevered and I got through. That's it. So thanks for keeping me on board. <laughs> um, now, I'm speaking of that, I think we should thank a few people before we get into it um, for making everything possible. I'd like to thank uh, Enzo Eliotta for producing this beautiful Pressure Point logo that we've got up here. What a man. Um, Elisa, my girlfriend, Marcus's sister, for our, being our marketing manager and taking care of all our socials. And uh, finally, and... I don't take any pleasure in doing this, but <laughs> Jess, uh, Jess Squatto for thinking of the podcast name and uh, give all credit to her for thinking of that one. She's been asking us all week to make sure we, uh, we credit her with that. So um, any opportunity for her name to get out there, she'll absolutely take. So there you go, Jess, that's for you. Now, uh, Marcus, why don't you tell us about your favorite footy memory? Let's, let's get right into the footy talk oh, now. What's geez. your favorite footy memory? So as a Carlton supporter, there's not a lot. Um, but my, my first real footy memory would be that 99 prelim. Um, I was still very young, so I don't really remember it too much. But it is, um, for a lot of Carlton supporters, one of the, one of the greatest days. Um, beating Essendon by a point, our arch rival. That was great. Don't remember too much of it, but I do remember the, um, the scenes that happened afterwards. Um, but the one that I do remember the most and one that I talk about a lot and that we've watched a fair bit together <laughs> is, the, uh, is the 2013 elimination final. Uh, against Richmond, 95,000 people. We finished ninth. We came in at Essendon's expense, which is even better. Um, Chris Judd played on one leg and absolutely dominated. Nick Digan was an emergency. <laughs> the sub was, before the game. Didn't even do the warm-up. <laughs> it comes in and kicks four goals. And I believe it was on Alex France as well. But uh, that, yeah, that's, a, that's a separate story. Yet, leave him alone. <laughs> um, yeah, and that was yeah, easily the best footy game I've been to, just in terms of the crowd atmosphere and... Um, just the way the game sort of panned out, it was, you know, we we're down by 35 points and storm back in that third quarter. Uh, I think it was Eddie Betts' last game for Carlton. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a huge, huge day and something I'll never forget. And I think the only, the only game that can top that for me would be a, a Carlton flag, I reckon. Yeah, that'd be huge. Yeah. Not for anyone else, but just you, but anyway. Just me. <laughs> so what about you? What's well, your favourite? Uh, probably every round one game since 2013, I reckon. Probably up there. <laughs> every last... <laughs> nah, in all seriousness, I'd say, <laughs> unlike you guys, I think with Richmond, I've got a few to pick from. Um, two big notable ones, of course. But I think yep. I'd say, a bit of an outlier here, but round 23 in 2014 um, against the Swans, we're playing up in Sydney, and we had to win the, our last nine games of the season to play finals. And uh, we'd won eight to come up against the Swans, which were a much better side. And we rolled them. We rolled them over there in Sydney. Dustin Martin had a one-on-one with Richards. Kicked the, kicked the, uh, the ceiling goal. It just, yeah, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable experience. I mean, obviously, 2017's grand final was right up there as well. But I think just to step outside the box a little bit, yeah, definitely that round 23 game was right up there for me. That's right. And that's when, I think that's when Alex Ranch really established himself as 
the best defender in the comp, didn't he? That, th- that game, I remember he just dominating that game. That was his, I'm pretty sure that was his first All-Australian year as well. Yeah. So yeah, his first of five. Yeah. All right. So that's that. So we'll move on. So before round one, we, well, I did my 2020 predictions and what I thought the season would pan out and, and what would happen. And um, yeah, so that lasted a week. And then, uh, and then, then footy uh, finished for about three months. So, but we'll revisit them now, and um, we'll go through what we think twenty twenty how how twenty twenty is going to unfold. So, I went with my premiers being Richmond, runners up West Coast, Brownlow Medal, Patrick Cripps, of course, uh, the Coleman Medal, Tom Lynch. I thought he finished off twenty nineteen unbelievably well, um, and I think yeah, he's he's a very hard man to stop when he's at full flight. My biggest improver, I'm not being biased here, but I do think the Blues are going to rise up. Not not rise up to finals, but I think they're going to uh, do a fair jump. Uh, a bigger, bigger slider would be the Cats. Um, I just feel like they're aging and they're just too reliant on on Dangerfield, Ablett and Selwood, who are all 30, and 30 plus now. So I think the Cats are going to slide. Biggest news story, I think Ken Hinkley's going to be sacked by Port. Um, they've under-delivered a fair bit now so with the team that they've got. So I think he's under a lot of pressure and I don't think he's going to last the season. My player to watch will be Sam Doherty. I think two years out of the game, he's, he's, well, his round one performance shows how good he is and how good of a player he used to be as well. So I think he's going to be the one to watch this year. Um, my most improved player is going to be Christian Petrarca from Melbourne. He's got a lot of potential and I think this year he's going to explode. And then the wooden spoon is the Gold Coast Suns for me, which I think is everyone else's as well. Yeah, the Gold Coast is definitely my wooden spooners as well. Yeah. Um, I have to agree with you on the premiership front. I, so I think the Tigers will hopefully get their third in the last four years. So I think the Tigers are going to take the premiership. I reckon the runners-up will be Collingwood. So I'm hoping for a big Richmond-Collingwood grand final, even if there are no fans there. Should have happened last year. Should have happened last year. We missed out. I think Collingwood will probably take that next step this year. Um, I think those will be the two teams. Brownlow medalist, I uh, can't see anyone other than Patrick Cripps winning that. I think yeah. Patrick Cripps has got the Brownlow nailed in. Um, same as you, I agree with Tom Lynch for the Coleman. I think he's just going to... With Jack Rewald alongside him as well, I think Jack Rewald's become a more selfless player. Um, you handball and getting rid of the footy a lot more and taking shots in, instead of taking shots himself. So I think Lynch will really take opportunity of that and, yeah, I think he'll win the Coleman. Um... Biggest improver? I think the biggest improver, I, th- I agree with you as well, Carlton. I really see them. Last year, they were showing really promising signs. Um, either Carlton or the Doggies, actually. I think the Doggies are coming back as well. Yep. I think I see the Dogs really coming up. Um, the biggest slider, ooh. I think Hawthorne. I mean, I think Hawthorne were coming up, but I don't know if they're going to... They've made a push for finals, but I, I don't know if they're going to make it any further. If they're just going to stagnate a little bit, a bit like Richmond and... Um, 2013, 14, 15 there where they just really couldn't get past that elimination final stage. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully they can make a push but I don't really see it happening. Yep. Um, what else? What have I missed? Biggest news story. Biggest news story. Oh, I think Melbourne's going to be in that conversation. Mm. Like, I feel like they got away with their yep. poor performances last year. I think they're going to get um, recognised. Um, there's no hiding this year with only playing each team once. Yep. I reckon they're really going to I think they're going to sort of be in the news, potential coach sacking, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. They got it very lightly last year, I feel. Uh, for making yeah. a prelim the year before to coming out last year and yeah. 
being shocking. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see how they got away with it, and I feel like this year they won't. So. Yeah, and your most improved player, last one. Most improved player. Ooh. I don't know. It's a tough one. I reckon uh, Connor Rosie from Port Adelaide. I feel yeah. like he was sort of just getting better and better last year each game he went and he's only young so it's only really up for him to go at this point so I think Connor Rosie, yeah yep nice one alright so that's yeah that's pretty much our predictions for the year um, we'll see what happens in 17 what is it 16 weeks time 17 weeks time only 17 rounds this season so see how that goes soon oh. finishes at the pointy end that's it alright so we'll move on to our review of round one which feels like an absolute lifetime ago um, and there's no better way to start it than a game between Richmond and Carlton. So two best in the league. So <laughs> we'll go for a run with that. Um, obviously that was all the way back on the 19th of March. Richmond did get the win that game, 16 goals, 905 to Carlton's 12 goals, 12 goals, 981. Um, I'll just talk a bit, a bit about what I liked from the Tigers. I thought the Tigers obviously had their really great start at the beginning. They kicked four goals to nothing to start the game. Um, Really used the ball super well. They just sort of all over Carlton. Carlton didn't really look like jump, jumping on top of them at all. Um, Jack Rewalt sort of took hold of um, Jones early. Um, and, you know, Dustin Martin was just doing what Dustin Martin does best, I guess. And Dion Prestia, once again, a little bit under the radar, got his 25 disposals. So, yeah, I thought Richmond did really well in that sense. Probably dropped off a little bit to the end. Um, but not to take credit away from Carlton that definitely made that happen as I'm sure you're about to let me know all about it <laughs> uh, well yeah that first half was very concerning um, you know it, it's it's hard not to go to that that stage where you're like oh not this again it's going to be one of those seasons again um, but yeah after half time we we played very good footy um, we were pretty much the better the better side in that second half um, really stormed back especially that early, early part of that th- uh, early part of that last quarter um, led by Paddy Cripps who was Incredible. Can anyone stop him? Well, he did get. <laughs> he, he, I'd love to say no, but he did get stopped um, a few times last year when he did get tagged. Um, but yeah, at his best, he's he's unstoppable. Hmm. Um, but my key highlight for the match was Jack Martin kicking four goals in that third quarter. Um, first game for the Blues looked. He looked. He looked unstoppable. Like he he looked scary. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes for the rest of the year. Um, and Levi Casbolt for me is probably one of the most improved players in the game. So his second half of 2019 was was great. Um, can pretty much play at any end of the ground too. So, and he yeah he was great against you guys that night as well. So I think those three things from the Blues was was really was really um, impressive. Um, but yeah, it's just a shame that we started so poorly because I think if we didn't start so poorly, who knows what could have happened by the end of the game. So, cause we only lost by, what was it? 24 points. So yeah, I think know. the Tigers jumping you at the beginning there, um, yeah. really hurt. The same thing happened the year before as well, where you yeah. guys got a, a big jump and then we, we came back, but just couldn't, couldn't reel it in. So, but no, it, it is, it is good signs. Um, but yeah, it's just hard to tell what's sort of going to happen. Yeah. I there. think there were a lot of questions about, um, Jack Martin coming from the Suns over yep. Carlton talking about whether or not he was just looking good because he was in a team like the Gold Coast. He didn't really have anyone else to outshine him, but I think he really obviously stepped up and proved that he's going to make it big even down here in the Melbourne side. So Absolutely. I was really excited. And now speaking of Jack Martin, uh, here at the Pressure Point Podcast, we're going to run a little uh, voting competition where we'll be giving three votes 
two votes and one vote to a player for each game. And at the end of the year, whoever's got the most will win the Pressure Point Player of the Year award. Um, now for our three votes, we've both mutually agreed that Jack Martin will take that yeah. with his four goals and 17 disposals. So in his four goals are all in the third quarter as well. That's a pretty, pretty handy for third quarter. Um, the two votes we've given to Dion Prestia from Richmond. He had his 25 touches, kicked a goal, um, 72% disposal efficiency. It's pretty handy. And then, as we mentioned before, Patrick Cripps, for, with the one vote, can't look past him. He had 31 disposals. 17 of those were contested, and he had 10 clearances. Yeah. Before we move on from that game, is Dion Prestia now Richmond's best player? I think he is. I think, in the sense that, not talent-wise, but one of the most important players of the team, him or um, Kane Lambert, because they allow Dustin Martin to go push forward and yeah. kick goals, whereas... Before we had down in the team, Dusty was purely reliant on staying in the midfield and we weren't having the pressure or the um, yeah the strength up forward that we got now. So I really think Dion is probably up. Yeah, yeah. I reckon he is. It's yeah, a good call. All right, so we'll move on to uh, the second game of the round, uh, Western Bulldogs versus Collingwood, Friday 20th of March. The Bulldogs were defeated five goals, four, 34, defeated by the Pies, 13-8-86. Um, now that game, Pies really took off to a good start. Bill up the Tigers. They kicked the first four game goals of the game um, with Elliot, Cox, Hoskin Elliot, and Brody Grundy all kicking those. Um, some exciting things, seeing the Brown family legacy continue. Tyler Brown played his first game for the Pies, which was good to see. Um, also good to see Dogs debutant uh, Ben Kavara kick his first goal with, um, with his first kick in AFL footy. So always nice to see debutant come out and do that. Um, Josh Bruce, first game with the Bulldogs. Uh, big questions around him whether he was going to keep up his form. He kicked a goal midway through the third term, so, you know, looking all right. But really, that was pretty much all the Dogs fans had to smile about with Collingwood dominating him with inside 50s, 42 to 22. And they, you know, won out, came out winning by 52 points. So Collingwood definitely had their, had their better match. Very disappointing the Dogs were. Yeah, I, I think after last year, they just pushed in the finals. They really... And I think people were looking at them to make a better performance in that round one, especially yeah. against one of the top sides. They had to better put in a better effort than they did. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't like what I saw from the dogs that night. It was um, concerning. But Collingwood are a, a very good team, though, so I wouldn't take too much away from them. That's right. Now for my votes, I've given Brody Grundy the three votes. He had thirty-seven hitouts, nineteen touches, a goal, and he won the Robert Rose Medal for the night. So I give that to him. My two votes went to Taylor Adams with his 26 touches and a goal. And my one vote went to Brody Majek, who kicked his three goals, 11 touches. It's pretty handy. That's it. Perfect. All right, next game uh, was Essendon against Frio at Marvel Stadium. And the Bombers got over the line by a kick. This was a very tight game. Um, Well, actually, the the Bombers got out to to a handy lead in the first half, but Frio reeled that back. Um, which was yeah, which made the game very exciting in that second half. What we noticed was Jacob Townsend in his first game for the Bombers, the former Tiger, looked very, very good. Um, bobbed up with three goals all in the first quarter as well. Took three big grabs, um, so he looks like a very good pickup for the Bombers. Sam Sturt um, debuted for Frio, so that was... Uh, I think he kicked three goals. Yeah, he kicked three goals. So that was a very, very good debut from him. He's very, very little as well, so... Um, he held his own quite well and, and kicked a very important goal late in the game too. Um, but yeah, the Bombers ju- were just able to hold on. 
Frio missed some big chances going late in that last quarter as well, so they were quite lucky to get away with it. Um, and my votes for that game, I gave one vote to Nat Fife, who just continues on continues on being Nat Fife. 26 disposals, 10 contested, um, and he had a huge final quarter as well, so he was a big reason why Freya got back in the game. I gave two votes to Jacob Townsend for his three goals. Um, yeah, it was a super debut from him and almost the difference for the Bombers. And my three votes went to Dylan Shiel. He had 35 disposals, 77% efficiency as well, which is um, a big plus for him considering he was knocked about that last year for his um, ineffective disposal. So he had a very good game there. And he also had five score involvements as well. So uh, D Shiel gets my three votes there. Pretty handy game from Dylan Shiel. I was uh, excited to see Jacob Townsend getting a chance at another club too, leaving the Tigers. Premiership player, but really couldn't find his spot, especially with Tom Lynch coming into the side. Um, really happy for him to go to another club and have a big performance like that in his first game for his new club. So yeah. exciting to see what he does the rest of the year. Uh, moving on to Adelaide versus Sydney. Um, Adelaide got up over... Uh, no, were defeated, sorry, by Sydney. 11 goals, 571 to Sydney's 11 goals, 874. That was probably one of the best games of the round in uh, my eyes. No team was ever really the clear front runner. Um, it went back and forth, all sort of game. Isaac Heaney really dominated down forward with four goals, and Luke Parker does what he does best with 30, um, 30 disposals. Um, and the Swans had a debutante, Ben Davis, played his first game, and another one kicked his first goal in AFL footy. Once again, always exciting to see. Um, Sydney dominated the clearances all afternoon, and I think that really helped them keep the lead for you know in certain times it really helped them stay in front um it did come down to the wire with taylor walker having a shot on goal with about 20 seconds left but in classic tex in big moments fashion he sprayed the kick to the right and it let sydney run out with a three-point win so um it was a really good game to watch and i think for my votes of the game i've given one vote to luke parker with his 30 touches two intercept possessions and five score involvements Two votes to Josh Kennedy. He had his 25 touches, 16 contested, and 80% disposal efficiency. And three votes went to Isaac Heaney, um, a big man on kicking goals, and he kicked four and had 16 touches, and 12 of those were contested. So I thought he had a really good game. All right. So next game, we've got GWS taking on Geelong. Um, so this was a battle of the heavyweights from 2019. Uh, the Giants ended up getting a hold of the Cats by 30 points. Um, they started very strongly and, and didn't really look back from there. Um, one thing I noticed was Toby Green. He's an out-and-out superstar. Um, I know a lot of people don't like him, but I love Toby Green. Like I just I love the way he plays. Like He's he's just got that... He's just different. You either love, love him or you hate yeah. him, I feel. He's a bit smug, and some people really yeah. love that, and some people can't stand him. I love, I love the passion that he plays with. It's good. Um, and yeah, and you can't fault him because he's a very good player. Yeah, he backs it up. Yeah, so Toby he bobbed up with four goals. So it was quite impressive. Um, but one thing that took my eye was Harry Perriman. Um, kicked four goals and had 20 disposals. Um, so he was very impressive for the Giants. He usually plays as a defender. So he went up forward and kicked four. Um, although Gary Abbott still looked quite good for the Cats. Uh, what is he, 35, 36 years old now? And he's still playing quite well. A little bit concerning that he's you know still one of their best players, but... Um, you know, it's good to see the the little champ um, keep doing his thing. Um, so my votes for the game, I gave Mitch Duncan one vote. Um, he kicked three goals, had 21 disposals, um, and went at 81% as well. So he had a pretty solid game for the Cats. 
Um, Toby Green got my two votes. Um, as I mentioned, he kicked four goals, had the 16 touches um, and the seven score involvements as well. And then my three votes went to went to Harry Perriman. Um, so as I said, yeah, you got four goals, 20 disposals and went at 85%. So he had a very, very good game. Um, and yeah, it was a pretty pretty dominant performance from the Giants, which um, which shows that they're, they're looking good for another another tilt at the flag. So let's see if they can go that one step further this year. See if we can make a run. Yeah. Um, speaking of dominant games, I covered the Port Adelaide Gold Coast game. Safe to say it wasn't the most exciting game of the round. Um, Gold Coast only kicking four goals, 5-29 to Port's 10 goals, 16-76. There wasn't a whole lot to talk about in this game. Um, Gold Coast really given some signs of having another disappointing season. Um, Port was really in control pretty much the whole game. Um, and even though they weren't playing against a formidable opponent, just the way they moved the ball and used the footy, it really looked like being a side that could be um, playing finals come point end of the season. So it was really positive coming from Port. Um, once again, the game featured another debutant kicking his first goal with Mitch, and excuse the uh, pronunciation here, but Mitch Giorgiardis uh, taking those <laughs> honours. Um, Bless but, you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, but I think the Gold Coast really might have another long season coming their way if they don't find themselves hitting another gear anytime soon. Um, they're just not looking to make any sort of impact. So that's, I think, why they were both our wooden spurner tips for the year. For the, for the votes for this game, I gave one vote to Gold Coast first gamer, Matthew Rowe. He had 19 disposals, 11 contested, and two score involvements, which I think, considering the team didn't really do much and it was his first game, he really stood up and has got, got some promising signs ahead. Um, my two votes went to Brad Ebert. Um, he had 20 disposals, nine score involvements, and a goal. And my three votes went to the former Lion, Tom Rockcliffe. He had 26 touches, five score involvements, and seven inside 50s. So he really had a field day out there. All right. So Gold Coast just doing Gold Coast things, eh? Yeah, nothing's changed there, unfortunately, for the Suns. <laughs> All right, next game. Um, so this was the early game on the Sunday. It was between North and on the Saints. A very low-scoring game um, and a very weird game as well. So the Saints got out to a pretty handy lead in the first half and then North reeled it back quite quickly um, and then ended up yeah, getting in front late and, and holding on for a two-point win, which was um, pretty disappointing if you're a Saints fan. Considering they've got a lot of expectation this year. Um, but a good thing for the Saints that game was their debutant, Max King, kicking a goal in his debut. Um, obviously, a lot of hope, a lot of hype around him as well. So um, for Saints fans to finally get a glimpse of him and, and kick a goal in his debut was, was good to see. Um, in fact, the Saints had a lot of debutants that game. So they had Paddy Ryder, Brad Hill, Dan Butler, and Zach Jones all play their first game for the Saints. So they had a... A new look side out there almost. So, um, but yeah, they did look good for the first half, and then they yeah severely dropped off. Um, so yeah, as I said, the Kangaroos yeah they really stormed back into the game in that third quarter. Um, ben Cunnington really led from the front. He kicked two late clutch goals to put him in front both times. Um, so he was he was super. So in saying that, Ben Cunnington did get my three votes. So he had the twenty five disposals, sixteen of them contested, um, and those last late couple of goals as well. Two votes went to Jack Billings. Um, he was probably St. Kilda's best player. Two goals, 18 disposals, and went at 89% as well. So he had a pretty solid game. Then I gave one vote to Jai Simkin from North. Um, the youngster had, had 23 disposals and kicked a goal, so he was quite impressive for the Roos as well. So, um, yeah, so interesting game and um, a bit concerning for a Saints fan, for sure. Yeah, very disappointing from the Saints. I really thought... Um 
And when you have a lead like that, you should probably hold on to it. Yeah. They were the better team for sure. And blows like Zach Jones coming in the side as well really bring some extra, probably some toughness to the game that I think the Saints are perhaps lacking. So it'll be interesting to see how they go for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, Hawthorne Brisbane now. Hawthorne beat the uh, Hawthorne came in as the underdogs. I would have thought, uh, and they came out defeating Brisbane, fourteen goals six ninety to Brisbane's nine goal eight sixty two. Um, I really thought that yeah, Brisbane walking in this game as the favourites, having a four game winning streak over the Hawks, and despite exiting last year's finals in straight sets, um, I think they're expected to cause more problems for a lot of teams this season. So we bought with a tight contest pretty much until the last quarter. Um, the Hawks shared a fair bit of the love with Wingard, Bruce, and uh, even the veteran Burgoyne all kicking three goals apiece. Um, big man Jonathan Patton slotted his first goal for his new club, which I think was good to see him back out in the park. And Harris Andrews continued his All-Australian form for the Lions um, down back. Um, really up to the last quarter there, the Hawks blew away in the final term, winning by a comfortable 28 points. My, uh, my one vote has to go to the veteran Sean Burgoyne. Um, at his age, to still do what he was doing. Three goals, six score involvements. And 90% efficiency. I thought that was pretty handy. My two votes go to Lockie Neal from the Lions. He had 26 touches, 16 contested, and a goal. And then Chad Wingard um, at Hawthorne. He got my three votes with three goals, seven score involvements, and he's 20 touches. Beautiful. All right. So last game of the round. Um, bit of a doozy, this one. So it was between West Coast and Melbourne. Um, so before the game, they well, both teams were told that you know, footy's going to be canned for the foreseeable future. So it was a bit of a bit of a weird one to go into. Um, but it did not stop West Coast from absolutely dominating the game. Um, they started strongly and never really looked back. The D's were goalless at quarter time as well. Um, and yeah, their, their form from 2019 looks to have continued on into 2020. So they were pretty, um, pretty poor. Um, although Jack Viney was very dominant for Melbourne, um, picking up 34 disposals. He was, he was very good. Um, and for the Eagles, you know, the usual suspects of Andrew Gaff, Luke Shuey, Nick Nat, all um, all dominated for them. Um, but yeah, in saying that, West Coast only ended up winning by 27 points. So the scoreboard did flatter Melbourne a, a little bit, um, considering how dominant West Coast were. Um, but yeah, my votes in the end. So I gave one vote to Luke Shuey, uh, 27 disposals, had 116 fantasy points as well. So it's a pretty solid game from him. Two votes to Andrew Gaff. 30 touches, a goal, and 87% efficiency. Um, just, I feel like Gaff does that every week. He's just a very consistent player. And then my three votes went to Jack Viney from Melbourne. 34 disposals, 20 of them contested, a goal, and 132 fantasy points. So he pretty much played a lone hand for the Ds in what is yeah, what was a very disappointing afternoon for them. And, geez, if that continues on in 2020, I think they're in big, big trouble. So... But yeah, that was um, that was round one, which I feel like was a lifetime ago. But um, I'm glad we can move on from it now. And yeah, yeah, we're finally finally uh, looking at round two, which is you know been a long time coming. Um, touching on round one, how how did you go watching the games with no crowds and just complete silence after yeah, every goal? Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, I I it was very weird. Um, it was just, it just felt like you were watching like a practice game or um, yeah, like one of the one of the preseason games, it just didn't feel right. Like I know every year, like with the Richmond Carlton game, like we're always pumped for it and um, you know can't wait for it to come on. But this year was just a different feeling. Like it was just like, oh, it's, it's not going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and even watching it, we we're just like, well, this is not right. 
Yeah. Like, it just didn't feel right. It just didn't feel like footy. It, yeah, it was just different. So, but I like I've changed my tune on it a little bit now. Now because like now that we're just so desperate for footy to come back, it's like well, fuck, we'll just cop the no crowds. Like, I think at this point yeah. we'll take anything we can get. Yeah. I mean the, the replays have been good just to give us something to watch, but yeah. when you know the score, it's and the outcome, it's, it's not different. the same. So yeah. I think I'm obviously real pumped to get footy back. Yeah. Um, now they're talking about putting fake crowd noises in to compensate for the awkward silence after every goal. What are your yeah. thoughts? I don't mind it. Like it's probably better than nothing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. like, oh, I don't mind. Like, as long as it doesn't sound too, too weird or too cringe, yeah. I think it's fine. Um, like I know in the soccer overseas, they're going to replicate what FIFA twenty do. Like just they're just going to get the, the the crowd noise from that game oh, yeah. and put it into their broadcast. So. Um, I don't know if the AFL is going to do that, considering AFL Evolution is a pretty rubbish game. Um, <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think they need to do something. I think they need to do some sort of noise, don't they? Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely do. As long as they time it well, and you know the crowd volume doesn't go up when someone's taking an open mark on the wing for no reason. Yeah, um, I think it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, you don't want it out of sync, do you? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think yeah. whoever, I think even if they're going to do what they did in the old days and have the uh, the broadcast, you know, uh, 30, 30 minutes behind. Yeah, it's not exactly live. If the sound matches up, it'll be a lot. Yeah, for sure, a lot, lot easier to watch. Yeah. Now, not only are they going to put some fake crowd noises in, there's talks of cardboard cutouts <laughs> sitting in the stand watching. What What do you reckon the players are thinking? What they're looking in the stands and seeing some motionless fans. It's more distracting, isn't it? You'd think it's so. Bizarre. Oh, I just don't, I don't get that at all. Now I really reckon if we're gonna if we're gonna go down that footpath, I think we should really take note from the Korean Soccer League. <laughs> and yeah, uh, for those who don't know, the Korean Soccer League dressed up a, a bunch of sex dolls and had them in the crowd. <laughs> now, the, uh, uh, the only good thing about, I'd, I'd say, having a sex doll over a cardboard cutout is the sex dolls always look like they're shocked when someone's <laughs> kicked a goal. <laughs> so, They'd be good at a Carlton game, always, wouldn't they? Always got, oh, exactly right. That'd be the first time Carlton, Supremes, Carlton fans have had something, <laughs> something to open their mouths about. Uh, so, um, that's, look, I think they're probably a miss. You don't, yeah, you don't need those. I think they're unnecessary. I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't see how those are happening. But um, anyway, it's been a long time since round one. I'm a lot's happened in the off-season. Um, one of the big talking points was the whole Jack Stevens incident. Um, yeah. Obviously, before he left the Saints, he had a break with mental health. He's kind of the cats. And there's a bit of an unknown controversy about what's happened. We know there was a stabbing. That's about all we know. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think the media should... Or do you think Jack Stevens should have to reveal more of what happened? Or what are your thoughts? It's, it's, a, it's a really tricky one. I think I think as long as he tells the club and feels in the club of what's happening, like you don't know, it could be super personal. You know, like why does he need to publicize the whole thing to everyone? Yeah. I feel like as long as, he's, as long as his family are aware of it, the footy club, his mates, his close mates, like who else really needs to know? Like it's none of our business. Like obviously he's been stabbed. For whatever reason, like, does it really? If you got stabbed at the footy club, yeah, different. But he's, you know, he's been stabbed. Like, just leave it at that. He's been stabbed. Don't know by who. Don't know if it was himself. Don't know who it was. Just, I reckon, just leave it at that. That's my opinion anyway. And I think we should just move on from it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, he's back at the club. He's training, so we know he's okay. Yeah. I think, like you said, the biggest thing is as long as the people that need to be made aware of it are made aware of what's happened. Yeah. I think purely more for his. Um, personal safety and yep. mind, you know, mind state and all that. I think those people need to know to make sure he's in a good place. But he's back at training. He all smiles. So I think, yeah, we can probably move on from that one. Yep. Um, being a Carlton supporter, 
Charlie Kerno got ruled out for the season. Really hasn't had a good run. Um, do you think he's? Do you think he could do? He should be doing more to care for his body, or do you think he's just been unlucky? I think he's been very unlucky. Um, I know a lot of people out there probably think he's a bit careless, but I don't know, like what? He's an AFL player. He's one of the best players at the club. Like, why is he? Well, what would he be? You know, he's he's under he's under a lot of like supervision with his program and everything like that. So I think he's, I think he's fine. It's just he's just been super unlucky. Um, but in saying that, like we didn't have him for the like half for the second half of twenty nineteen, and as soon as he went out, we actually started playing a lot better. So it's not like oh, absolutely we'd love to have him in the side, but you know we can play without him. We've sort of gotten used to it. Um, but yeah, it's 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 very frustrating considering how good he is and how good he can be as well. So um, he just yeah reminds reminds a lot of Carlton people of 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 Cuda. So he's uh, just the way he's built and the way he runs around the ground and even the curly hair, marks. the curly hair like he's literally like a Cuda clone. So um, no, hopefully he can ca- he can come back bigger and better next season. But I think have they he's been ruled out for the whole season, hasn't he? At the moment, yeah. they've ruled him out. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, well. It's going to be a fair chunk of it anyway. So, um, yeah, it is frustrating, but I think we'll do all right without him and um, it'll be an absolute bonus when we do get him back for sure. 100%. I think being a shortened season is probably a good year for him to... Well, not that there's ever a good year, but I think it's probably a better of all years to sort of sit out and make yeah. sure he gets well and ready for next season. For sure. Um, now, next, hopefully next season, as I was talking about this year, they've got shortened quarters. Um, there were talks of them perhaps pushing that into um, next year and beyond. What do you? I'm not a fan of the shortened quarters myself. I I don't see the point in it. I understand they did it this year because I wanted to start player management basically and get players fit, ready to play more than one game a week to try and cram games in. I understand that. I can't see any purpose of shortening games um, heading into the future. It just it blows my mind why you'd want to go to the if you want if you're going to the football and you want to see less football, you're not. I don't really. You're not really a fan. Exactly. You don't right. want to. No one wants to see less football. No. So. I mean, I don't know if you have anything different to say on that, but I really, I think the short quarters. I'm glad they've scrapped the idea for um, next year and beyond. Well, you look at the look at the scores from round one games, how low they were, and that's got a lot to do with the shortened quarters. You know, if they want the product to look better, you need more scoring, and yeah. you just didn't get that in round one. Um, and if, yeah, if they shorten the quarters for good, you're never going to see a player kick 100 goals again. You probably rarely going to have games score over 100 points. Um, you know, it's just going to take out a lot of things that. Make makes footy so unique. So, I'm. I'm. Has there been official word that they're not doing it going forward? Yeah, they're, yeah. they're not. Yeah, the, the no, that, come that's out good. Said, yeah. yeah. Nah. So fair enough this season because it's sort of like crammed in into unique season. Um. But going forward, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not. I'm not for it at all. So that's good. Now, as everyone can see on the cameras, we got the big freeze beanies out here. Um. The freeze M and D uh, fight is still happening this Monday coming up. Um. Obviously, this is a really good cause, and I encourage everybody out there to try and grab yourself a beanie and support this incredible cause. With Neil Danaher, I don't know, still fighting like the machine that he is, and it's crazy bringing positivity and awareness and all the rest of it to this cause. So I'm really glad that's still happening. And um, disappointing we won't have a live game playing that day, but in the current circumstances, I think it's great that the players are still going down the going down the slide do you have anyone in particular happy to see go down the ice this year well big cripper's going down it isn't he so that'll be interesting to see what he uh what he dresses up with uh, choice. the big fella so um yeah we're looking forward to seeing what he does it's always a good laugh every year isn't it i think was it last year the coaches did it or the year before the coaches did it and they all 
yeah. well dressed up. I did a pretty good job at it. So, um, yeah, no, it's a great cause. And, um, you know, I feel like it's like every year, it's like he's, he's still going. He's like still hanging in there, which is great. Like he's just so strong, such such a strong person. So, um, yeah, so, you know, I encourage everyone to donate to it. Um, he's doing some great things in that space. So definitely get around it. Most definitely. Now, I know that's not all about this, but... I personally am really looking forward to seeing Mitch Robinson go down that slide. Yeah, I feel like he's such a character. Just seeing what he'll dress up as and the way he'll behave will be. He'll definitely go head first. That's for sure. Will be interesting, and it'll be good seeing. Um, yeah, it'll be good seeing players like current players going down the slide this yeah. year too. So yeah. it's not usually current players, is it? No, no not normally. So no. we'll do that now. Another big topic in the off season was the Lockie Hunter incident. Um, obviously, got caught one drink driving, two breaching COVID nineteen restrictions. Uh, yeah, disappointing from Lockie for Bulldogs fans. Yeah, it's fans. poor, isn't it? Yeah, it is poor. Um, yeah, it's just especially during that time of you know the isolation and um, you know the club putting like all their trust in their players to make sure they're sticking with their programs and behaving and doing all those things. And I think he just got into the leadership group as well, so it's not a great look. Um, yeah, I'm sure he regrets it deeply. So, um, and then yeah, that wasn't it was a hit and run as well and. Yeah, yeah, it was just it was pretty pretty messy. I know there was more to it, um, Lockie's personal side. I think there was a lot more going on there, but I think just yeah, disappointing for Lockie himself. Yeah, he knows what he's done. He's not not a, not ashamed to admit that he did wrong there, but yeah, yeah, real disappointing. I think on that end. So, also, what happened during the week was the Hall of Fame awards. So, we had a few former greats get inducted. So we had Lenny Hayes, Jonathan Brown, Simon Black. And we also had John Kennedy Sr. inducted as a legend as well. Um, and the great Dennis Committee, of course, got inducted into the Media Hall of Fame. Um, he snuck up, snuck up on him like a librarian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's one of my favorite commentators of all time, Big Dennis. So it's good to see him get recognized. Um, and Big Dean Cox as well from, from the Eagles got inducted. He was um, an absolute superstar for them. One of the best ruckmen of all time, is he? Which I, sort, I think he's up there. Which leads into our engagement question um, for all you listeners at home. Um, is Dean Cox the greatest ruckman of all time? So you can find that on our socials. Uh, just write write your answer in there. If you don't if you don't agree with it, write who you think's better. Um, feel free to be as biased as you want. We uh, we encourage that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, just check out our social media pages um, to answer that question. Alright guys, that's all we have time for today. Um, thanks for listening into the first episode. Be sure to give it a like, a share, a follow. Please tell a mate, we really do appreciate the love. And be sure to join us for next week where we talk about all the round two previews. And we'll see you with episode two. Step into go, step into go, push the point. Push.